from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Hey, JR. After a lot of hand-wringing, President Trump announced the tariffs last week on steel and aluminum imports. Both Senator Ron Johnson and House Speaker Paul Ryan blasted the move, calling it very risky and fearing that it could spark a trade war. While the, tra- uh, while the tariffs were widely criticized by Republicans in Congress, Ryan has really never wavered in his support of Trump until now. So is this going to come back to haunt Ryan if he decides to seek re-election this year? Well, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, this is this is kind of Republican orthodoxy, right? Not to be in favor of tariffs. I mean, President Trump is striking much a, a populist pose on this issue, or populist stance. So it's not that surprising that Ryan or Johnson or, or Walker are opposed to it. It is interesting, though, that Governor Walker went so far as to actually tour the state last week to raise concerns about it because, you know, uh, manufacturers like Miller Coors, for example, raising concerns about the price of aluminum because, you know, they got to can their beer. Harley Davidson is worried because they could be uh, a target for retaliatory practices or, or target if this goes, you know, this gets a trade war type thing. So there are some real concerns back here about what's going to impact Wisconsin. But for these guys to be taking these stances, I mean, it's kind of what you expect from Republicans who traditionally support, you know, a free trade approach. By the same token, Democratic U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin is withholding judgment on the tariffs for now. She says on the one hand, the tariffs would send a message to, quote, bad actors such as China and Russia. But on the other hand, she also fears a trade war. So could Baldwin's uh, maybe tepid support for the tariffs come back to haunt her on the campaign trail? Well, this is where it gets, you know, kind of interesting, this kind of the president taking a stance that you would maybe more expect from a Democrat than you would from a Republican president. So Baldwin's in a position where she is very much pushing Buy America uh, policies because she thinks that is something that, one, she believes in, and two, um, is appealing to some of the voters who she needs who supported President Trump in 2016. She needs some of those voters, so she's pushing those policies. Um, it's interesting to watch how Democrats will navigate this um, there are pro- plenty of union backers who want to see tariffs that think they're unfair trade practices. So Democrats have been more likely to push the the argument of an unfair trade practice with certain countries. But how do you address that? And how do you address it in an environment where President Trump is kind of driving that train? And let's be honest, Democrats don't really agree with him a whole lot right now. There was some movement on the gun front last week. Uh, the Florida state legislature narrowly approved a gun and school safety package, and Governor Rick Scott signed the bill in response to the Parkland school shootings. President Trump also announced that his administration is almost finished crafting legislation that would ban bump stocks. How eager is Governor Walker to follow suit and call the legislature into special session to pass a school safety agenda for Wisconsin? Well, he's been pushing that. Uh, he's been meeting with lawmakers. The question still is, what's that package going to look like? Um, And talking to Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald, he has talked about focusing on one-time state aid for grants that public and private schools could access to pay for safety improvements. Now, Democrats want to do much more than that. And what's going to be interesting to watch is if the governor does call a special session on school safety, 
what else do they talk about, if anything? I mean, you can be assured if there's a special session there on the floor, Democrats will talk about things like background checks, maybe about, you know, a waiting period for purchases, you know, things that are politically popular that they believe in. Uh, they've pushed for things like that before. Will they push for them again? And then how do Republicans react to that? Because in talking to some Republican lawmakers, one of their worries is that if they do come in a special session and take up these school safety measures, whatever they look like, the package, whatever it is in the end, that they could lose the message battle from that time on the floor if it focus becomes not what they did, but what they pushed back from Democrats. So there is a little bit of a risk there for Republicans and how this plays out because the public, the Marquette poll, at least we saw last week, it only supports things like, you know, um, background checks on gun purchases, including those at, at private shows. So how is that going to play out? Something to watch if and when they come on the floor to take up this package. Foxconn was back in the news last week. Uh, hundreds of people packed into a public hearing in Sturtevant to mostly criticize the Taiwanese company in its request to draw 7 million gallons of water per day from Lake Michigan so it can operate a massive LCD screen manufacturing plant it plans to build in Racine County. The DNR will make a decision on the request at a later date. Now, Governor Walker uh, pushed for the state to commit $3 billion in tax incentives for Foxconn. So uh, how important is it for Walker to hear people's concerns on this issue in this election year? Well, he's been hearing that, but he's also been trying to push back on the narrative about the water that Foxconn will use. His administration has been pushing that, go back and look where Racine was, I think, 20-some years ago, the amount of water he's using then, and how it's dropped because the job loss is there. So he's trying to make the argument of, yes, it's a lot of water, but compared to past years, it's not that big of a draw. So we'll see how that plays out. But we do know for about Foxconn is that Governor Walker has an issue right now because we saw the Marquette poll and found that majority of voters don't believe the state's going to kind of recoup its investment in Foxconn. We also saw that people out state don't believe that this deal is going to benefit their communities. And this is part of the problem that Governor Walker has. Um, the farther away you get from the Foxconn plant in Mount Pleasant, the less popular it seems to be. And you're going to have issues where people look at it and go, well, why are we giving that much money to them when I've got, you know, issue A, B, and C in my backyard? So Governor Walker is trying very hard to make the case of, you know, there are suppliers out there in Wisconsin who will benefit. And if any, if and when any suppliers strike a deal with Foxconn, he will tout those heavily. If, if and when Foxconn gets walls up on this plant, if when you start to see, like, tangible signs of the plant coming together, they will push that hard as evidence of something happening. And what's interesting is Republicans argued to me last week that, you know, these numbers we saw in the Marquette poll are kind of the basement, they said, of where Foxconn will be, that once this thing is off the ground and running, it'll get much more popular. They kind of compared it even to Act 10, that it wasn't popular at the beginning, but once it kind of progressed and people saw that their crash got picked up and the school stayed open, they were okay with everything. So that's something to watch. Does Foxconn get more popular as things progress? It's also this interesting dynamic of, you know, People, even though it would benefit their communities, believe it will benefit the Milwaukee economy. So to some folks, that's something to build on for Walker, right? There's a sign that people think it will help somebody. But there's also this thing there that we've seen a kind of a quote-unquote stick-it-to-Milwaukee mentality pushed by some in uh, Republican circles in the last 25 years. Go back to Tommy Thompson and the Miller Park debate. So maybe the fact that they think it's going to benefit Milwaukee isn't a great thing. They may be thinking again, oh, here it go, here we go again. 
of more state money going to Milwaukee and not to my community. That, it's just something to watch and pay attention to as this thing develops in the next fall. What's it going to look like? Who's going to like that? And how does Governor Walker navigate that issue in his reelection bid? Well, speaking of elections, there are a couple of items to note. Attorney General Brad Schimmel last week formally launched his bid for a second term, but in his first campaign announcements, a news release and an online ad, he doesn't mention that he's a Republican. Is this unusual? Not necessarily. Um, Schimmel has been kind of a, oh, people call it a happy conservative warrior, much more likely to take on partisan issues than his Republican predecessor, J.B. Van Hollen. But a lot of people in law enforcement want to strike the independent pose that, you know, that's what you hear a lot. Now, trust me that by the time this race is said and done, Brad Schimmel will definitely define as a Republican and Josh Call, who's challenging him as a Democrat. Uh, one thing that Schimmel needs to do is to keep the base motivated, and that's why <laughs> you'll hear him talk about things like the lawsuits he's filed over Obama administration policies and rules. Um, those are things that kind of fire up the base. But the counter is that Democrats and Josh Call are going to be running people about things like the number of rape test kits that were went untested uh, in state crime labs or state storage or other law enforcement storage while Brad Schimmel spent money on swag for the Department of Justice. I mean, you're going to see things like that as this race develops. And the big question for me is, are Call and Schimmel going to be you know, basically attached to the hip to the Democratic nominee for governor and Governor Walker? I mean, is it going to be just if Walker wins, Schimmel wins, or is there going to be some daylight between those two and how this race plays out come fall? Because with a contested U.S. Senate race and a contested gubernatorial race, that's going to give a lot of uh, tension and time on the airwaves for Schimmel and Call to break through their own messages. Also, uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court candidate Michael Skrenick says if elected, he wouldn't hear any cases involving legislative maps that his former law firm helped draft. Skrenick is a Sauk County judge who leans conservative, and he faces Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Rebecca Dallet on April 3rd. So how important is it for Skrenick to assure voters that he'll withdraw from these issues? Well, they're both making recusal an, an issue in this election, um, you know, Rebecca Dallet has kind of been pushing Michael Ashronic quite a bit about things like the endorsement of the National Rifle Association, what that means, and if he's going to hear cases that that group's interested in. What about Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, which spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to help Shrenick in the primary? How would he react to those? Shrenick's been pushing back uh, about Dallet and that she heard cases or people she received donations from people who um, had cases before her ahead of the, the contribution. How is she going to react to that? What about cases involving the law firm where her husband works? I mean, in Supreme Court races, a lot of times they don't get into nitty-gritties of issues. They talk more kind of general platitudes. So these are the kinds of things they use to differentiate themselves or define their opponent as somebody who maybe isn't as trustworthy as they they are or that they're doing something that might be unseemly. So it, I'm not sure it's going to drive the ultimate <laughs> decisions about these races, but it's something they're making a case of to try and prove who is kind of moral high ground, if you will, when it comes to being a, a candidate for the Supreme Court. And finally, the Marquette poll, as you mentioned, came out last week, and it shows the nine Democratic candidates for governor who have active campaigns have a lot of work to do as far as um, name recognition. Many of them drew single digits in sort of a straw poll of Democrats if the primary were being held today. So if I'm Tony Evers, Paul Soglin, Matt Flynn, Kathleen Weinhout, Mike McCabe, or Malin Mitchell, um, should I be worried right now? 
Well, you should be worried about getting money to get up on the air. I mean, these guys are doing, they're doing forums, they're traveling the state, they're doing things, they're meeting voters, but the reality is unless you're doing a paid media campaign or really having a reach with people, they're not necessarily seeing that stuff. I mean, if you stop in Appleton, for example, just to pick a community out of the air, I mean, how many people really see the story about the forum you attended or that you made a stop at some local office? It's when you get on radio and TV that people really start to know that you're there and can kind of hear your message. So these guys just don't have the money to do that right now. They're trying to find it, but it's not there. So they're trying to find any way they can to differentiate themselves, to get attention, to get free attention, you know, free media coverage. But also when you get something that kind of gets attention to really, you know, push it. Kelda Royce, for example, last week had this video that she rolled out talking about some issues and in the middle of the video she breastfed her child and they kind of went viral. And she's trying to use that, you know, as a way to build more attention for a campaign. And hey, when you build attention, you hope that campaign donations come with it. So they're trying to find these ways to get get out there. I talked to a Democrat last week, he told me that this may be, in the end, like a a month long sprint for these guys of who can get up on the air and say July and really have a, a dedicated source of, of campaign ads to push their narrative or push their message and introduce themselves because right now so far nobody's showing signs of being able to get up on the air and having that kind of presence right now. All right. Thanks for joining us, JR. Anytime. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts. 